Womodoro means man of gold in Italian. When I created the Womodoro sneaker, I wanted to bottle that feeling I had as a kid when I began watching Michael Jordan. That feeling that I call your inner champion. I wanted the design of the shoe to invoke that feeling every time you lace them up. And beyond that, Womodoro supports life-changing programs for teenage boys through the Man of Gold initiative. As for the shoe itself, well, I never get tired of the genuine first impressions people have of it. Go and take a look. It's called Womodoro. It's spelled U-O-M-O-D-O-R. You can find us on Instagram and on the website. I traveled to Italy to have these made using the most buttery nubuck and calfskin leathers that you can find on this planet. And I put a beautiful custom gold-plated crown to crown your inner champion. Hello, Brett, you there? I am. How are you? <laughs> Good. Thanks for joining us on the Man of Gold podcast. It's the episode a recap of the first two episodes of the last dance bulls documentary and i'm excited to have you as as a guest and um brett you've been uh you and i met a couple a few years ago now we worked on a project together with womodoro and we did some awesome work and you were a huge part of that so maybe before we get into the bulls uh documentary series why don't we talk a little bit about um, you and what you're up to and kind of your uh, background in the design world? Yeah, um, I mean, I guess, you know, I'm getting older, so my background's getting a lot deeper. Um, the short answer is I kind of have two roles in the design world. Uh, I have a footwear role and then I have an automotive designer role. Uh, so by day, I'm global design manager of Chevrolet within the color and trim department at General Motors. Predominantly, my experience has been on Corvette for the past, man, almost decade now. So from uh, the C6 to the C7 and then the most recent released C8, uh, the mid-engine one, and then uh, now overseeing the entire brand globally within my role and my team. Very grateful to have the wonderful team that I have to do that work together. And then previous to coming to General Motors, I was a footwear designer. I was out in Boston, Massachusetts. I was uh, a lead designer in the advanced product group at New Balance along with the training group at one point as well. And, uh, and, and the youth group, the kids group, which was super fun. Um, which was a phenomenal experience. While I was there, I uh, started blogging and writing about footwear and it kind of blew up. Like as a kid in like seventh, seventh grade area, I was obsessed with, uh, well, I mean, just obsessed with footwear in general, but I was also obsessed with cars. And I've always been a big fan of reading, just a super, not like reading books as much, but definitely reading like all things media and, and, uh, pieces like that. And there wasn't like a lot of footwear writing when I was growing up. It was predominantly, but I read like every automotive writing. So I always had this passion of like telling my own stories of footwear and giving it in a perspective from design. So while I was at New Balance, they encouraged me to kind of start blogging when I asked them if they were cool with it. And 
it took off. And when I went to GM, it only took off further because they really embraced it. And because I was at GM, I wasn't tied to a footwear company. I could do whatever I wanted. Um, so that just kind of exploded. And there would be times when I wouldn't feel like writing for some of the blogs I was writing for, like Complex and Finish Line and a few of the other ones. So I would turn it into like my own design posts and I would draw shoes and other various things like that. And that basically helped jumpstart my consulting career, um, which, you know, obviously led me to you and many other people still to this day and working with various athletes from the NBA and other uh, companies as well. And being blessed to kind of have this dual life of having all design passions being exercised at all times and also being exhausted most of <laughs> as well. So, the privilege, yeah. right? Yeah, privilege of exhaustion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's really cool. Well, on top of all that, um, and I think, you know, for most of us, the origins of shoes is basketball. Was that, was, would you say that's pretty much the same thing for you? Or did it have any other kind of influence in those early, early days? Mm. Oh, I, I mean, absolutely. I mean, yeah, basketball dominated my youth and my life. But I would say, like, I was – so I, I grew up in a very rural town in Indiana. Um, and, like, I didn't have cable TV until I was, like, 9 or 10 years old after my parents divorced and, like, we moved into the town as opposed to the country. Uh, mm. My mom, but, like – when I, my, my sister is about eight years older than me. And, uh, when I was seven, she bought me the space final frontier poster, which is a Michael Jordan poster from the 88 dunk competition. Um, doing one of his more iconic poses. It's not the free throw line, but it's, it's been changed to him holding the moon and, uh, and it has this beautiful backdrop. Oh, yeah. I had that same one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I thought, yeah. You know, one she bought me that's downstairs. And then I have a, I found a brand new one on eBay about four years ago. And uh, I have it framed. I'm actually looking at it right now. It's in my office. Nice. Uh, I think, yeah. How, how much did that sucker go for? Uh, I talked the guy down from, uh, he, I think he wanted like 215 and I talked him down to no. like 150. Yeah. No way, really. Wow. Jeez. That's crazy. I have another one that I need to get framed right now. I have an original uh, Jordan 4 poster, the Death to Flying High Flying 360 Degree Slam Dunk. Um, I have still in the tube behind me that I bought off eBay a couple of years ago from a dude that is in Beaverton and very clearly has access to a lot of Nike media posters because that's what his whole entire site is. And he wow. astronomical amount for it. He's very hard to talk down. Um, but no, back to my story. Yeah. 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 Sorry. My sister bought me that poster and I would say that was actually my first introduction to, to footwear and, and basketball footwear. Like I was uh-huh. seven, pretty much like my dad was, my dad's a farmer and, other various things like that. So I was like into tractors and other crap like that. It was awesome. And it was really fun, but that was like my introduction to urban and footwear and basketball and like what attracted me, I think like, and still to this day, outside of maybe, outside of maybe Kobe, there was like an element about Mike that was very, um, very poetic. Like, cause he's not, 
he's not he's big obviously but he's not big in nba standards right and if you watch the documentary you know you listen to the first part of it like you had like mark eaton and a few of those other people being like oh he's not going to do anything because he's uh, you know he's only six six um but like the way he holds his body there was just something so beautiful to me and like at a very young age i i was drawing and drawing people was one of my favorite things to do and that poster like captured my imagination and uh yeah you know like his, his positioning yeah and yeah. Uh, it's it's pose. incredible to me like i have all these like uh you know like when you're in art they'll make like all these like figure posing tools that you can have and like you take the 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 i guess the figure or whatever you want to call it the doll as, as my kids would call it and uh you set the pose up, right? So you can draw it. And like one of my favorite things to do to get warmed up is like take one of those figures, set it up from like one of his iconic dunks, but then draw it from different views. Like from like not nice. Like it's, that's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, kind of a deep answer, but that's that's my answer for you. No, that's cool. It kind of gets us to like the origins. I mean, when I started the brand, the Womodoro and the shoe, it's it, that was really my journey was like discovering, rediscovering, you know, how I found first it was shoes and then like, okay, well, how did I find shoes? And it was MJ and like what it, you know, how, what he meant to me and all that. So that's an awesome answer <laughs> to be, to be frank. So that's why you're on here, bro. <laughs> um, Cool. So, okay. So 22 years later, after his sixth title, we were watching the first two episodes of this, of this documentary. And what was it like for you in the first, uh, <laughs> I saw your post and I was, I've, I've had a couple of conversations with people and it seems that we've all experienced a similar <laughs> phenomena <laughs> yeah before we push play on the netflix or well i'm watching it in canada so it's on netflix but right be- right when it starts like what was it like for you that those those 10 minutes before oh well, all right well <laughs> i have like three answers for you okay I'll give you, like the first answer of like the history of me so like like as i said so i was like about second grade end of my second grade and then going into third grade was when my my parents divorced and i can remember so like as a third grader on October 6, 1993 is when MJ retired. And my grandfather gave me the Sports Illustrated with Michael on the cover of him walking with the Jordan 7 Cardinals on it. It just says why. So I was nine years old. That was the first time that I ever got like any piece of media. I still have that exact issue. It's right behind me in my office here. And mm-hmm. uh, the one that he gave me. Uh, nice. So like from that point on was like my obsession with MJ and it, and I, and like my wife. So did you watch, you didn't watch him before that? Not really. I mean, to that level, like, I, I mean, yes, I saw stuff, but my mind wasn't there. I was eight. You know what I mean? Like yeah. seven, eight, five, you know, I'm, I am yeah, the yeah. age of the Air Jordan that is out. Right. So like, that's how I. So you were nine when, when he, when he uh, retired, was he, were you nine or eight? I was eight when he, I had just, I had just turned, I had just, yeah, 1993. Yeah. I just turned eight. So he retired a month after I turned eight. And then I was 10 when he returns on March 19th, which I'm from Indiana. So he's playing the Pacers. Ah, yes. Yeah. March 19th, 1995. So I would say. You're already building up this like fascination with this guy who was 
king of basketball and then playing b- baseball and you're like whoa right my first okay. pair of Jordans was the powder blue Jordan 9. Um, and, you know, obviously he never wore that outside of a baseball cleat. He didn't wear it on court. And then uh-huh. I had the, the steel gray 10s. Um, and then my foot grew into an adult size and I never had a pair until I bought it myself again. Uh, <laughs> but, like, my point being is, like, the era that we're now covering in the documentary is, like, the era that I truly grew up with. And like if I, you being in Canada, I don't know if you guys had WGN, but WGN was like the yeah. Chicago channel, right? Yeah, yeah, we did. And what I loved about WGN was like that was back before they had like a lot of uh, rebroadcasting of sitcoms and stuff like that. So every summer after those three Bulls years, so starting with the 72 and 10 year in 96, and then with the what they went. 69 and 13 in the 97 season and then they go 60, which is ridiculous yeah they go 62 and 20 in the uh the 98 season yeah. um yeah so i mean so collectively over three years they lost what 45 games um yeah. but anyway those wgn would spend the summer and every night they would replay one of the games so i recorded every one of those so these seasons that we're like going through right now like i have watched my entire youth i have them all on vhs and like i would just watch them over and over and over and over again um so to say like where i was at 10 minutes before the broadcast was like a level of nerd out pandemonium excitement that like I like just literally felt like I could have like tears of joy at like any moment. Like I was just so, so excited. It, it, oh my gosh. Yeah. This is re- It's so real. Like it's, it's really like the feeling I was having cause you know, I was, I had to push play. Right. So um, it probably wasn't even as, I don't know, like there's a difference, I guess, when it's live at night, cause at 9 PM it's, it, it would air on right on TSN or uh, sorry, ESPN. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm really showing my Canadian uh, <laughs> flag here. What, what, so anyhow, what, you guys have yeah, it was, or whatever, right? Like, isn't that what it was? What's that? Don't you guys have like a network called sky or something like that? That was, no, we have sky I think is in, I think that's Australia. Oh, we have uh we have tsn which uh is the sports network and it was um it's still tsn but it's it was purchased by espn um recently like i don't know if it's five or ten maybe no maybe 10 years ago so it's got the same it's got sports center and everything it's the same thing it's just our people are with uh with our canadian accents (laughs) (laughs) um so anyhow yeah, that feeling was so real. Like while it was happening, I was like, "Oh my gosh, like I wonder if other people are feeling like this. Am I just a weirdo? <laughs> Am I just like totally nerding out here?" And this is a real thing. Like he, that was so like Jordan's the 90s being growing up with Jordan was like such a unique time. And I remember Bob Costas used to always say, you're going to remember this time and you're going to look back and go, you know, yeah, I grew up in that time or, you know, be cherish the nineties for, for, for Jordan. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. Like, I don't know, you're 10, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. And to me, it was like, you don't really understand it. And now I'm starting to understand it a little bit more. Like that was crazy. Like just before it even started the show, I'm like, freaking out getting this like 
nostalgia and emotional experience happening, realizing the impact that this man has had on like so many people, but individually. So it's, you know, it's, it's interesting for me because there was a, a good friend of mine that like posted on my Instagram post uh, leading up to it. And by all definitions, like he was considered like one of the punk rock kids and stuff like that. Probably not somebody that you would stereotype as being a uh, basketball nerd or anything like this, right? And him and I were kind of chatting back and forth about it. And to me, like, it was very odd. And and maybe it's uh, the age we're at and, like, the nostalgia we kind of live in. But, like, we had, like, probably six or seven, like, key defining moments that were, like, within our generation. And I think part of it was probably because media was going on same time but like you had Kobe, you had you know you had Kurt Corbain you had you had Tupac you had Biggie but like MJ was like a, a defining moment within like our lives and it was like you either got it or you didn't and like that's that's what like separated it you know like I'll talk about it with friends about like there, there's something about Michael that can never ever 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 be repeated again like take athletics out of it take a lot of fun but like you have the culmination of hip hop taking over. You have a culmination of like black African American culture exploding in America. The Cosby's, Fresh Prince, like all these other things are happening at the right time. Michael Jordan defined like all of these movements across all media platforms. He had a personality that brought it in, and then he also lived up to every expectation that's like above and beyond. Like a modern continued guy. to. Right. It was like he defend he continued to defy like what he he surpassed everything. Like Ahmad Rashad said it during the documentary. He knew that every night somebody was seeing him for the first and last time. And like he wanted to make sure that that first and last time lived up to that memory. Like there that's that's a special personality trait. Like that's that's not like, oh, I'm gifted to be an athlete. No, that's that's a personality trait that says that like you're empathetic to another human being and you want to give them the best representation of you at every time. That, that's that's special, man. It's 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 incredible like um how many things came together uh and around this one person that just had everything in him to give to put the, the the ingredients into the mix, right? To make it all work, because everything could come together for anyone, but it it had to be that right person. And boy, was he the right person? It's it's crazy. So why don't we start getting into like the actual um, the actual uh, two episodes? What did what was your overall um, feeling of them? So like, I'm very critical of like a lot of tv type stuff like i just won't waste my time with anything that's not done at a high level like what's the point um the same way, yeah. yeah i mean what's the point like i'm not going to do this if it's just kind of halfway done right like i won't want like when somebody tells me that like a, a show is really good i'm like what channel is it on if they even like mention the word showtime i'm like yeah i'm good like i don't need to mess with this like it, it's a waste of my time um but uh, um but anyway, like going to this, like it far exceeded, it it far exceeded my my expectations. It, it's ESPN never does a bad job on anything that's related to like their sports documentaries, thirty for thirty or anything like that. But you can just tell that the thoroughness is there. All of yeah. the right people are involved. 
it's just so so perfect like it's so well done and it's i mean it's all still so captivating like i know this season in and out like the back of my hand and like yet i'm still watching it like it's the first time i've seen it does that make sense mm. like it's, oh yeah 100 percent. yeah i i was finding that um like because they, they really built it up to be like oh, okay there's this these thousand hours of unseen footage and all that stuff and i was like okay i'm sold but i hope you can deliver that yeah. where they're actually it's valuable stuff like it's gonna it's gonna matter not just like some weird footage that really doesn't matter but to see mj like you realize more now than ever how much he really how much effort he put into controlling his you know uh, how he was perceived and all of the things that were put out there um, with him in it. And to see the very casual and like candid stuff, just like small little things like his body language and the the use of like profanity even, like you didn't see that. Like we didn't, I'm, I've seen every clip of Jordan, like in the nineties at least, not so much in the eighties because I was too young, but from 91 on, like, and then, of course, I've seen tons of the 80s stuff from all the videos that I, I mean, I've got the Ultimate Jordan and I've got, like, so all the all the documentaries and everything. But to see him swearing, to see him, like, acting more human, you know, like, the when he walks into the, uh, he jokes around about the um, walking into the uh, the locker room. And he's like, no, just... Uh, you're not coming in you guys you guys aren't allowed and then he's like i'm just kidding i've seen that before but then they didn't see what goes on when they actually go in right and then you just and this is like not even a big part of this of of the episode but it's just you just see him like taking his shirt off in like a weird way and he's just like yeah so and he's just like totally lounging and you just see like the side of him that you just never really see before did you you can pick up on those little things yeah, I think uh, some of the ones that I picked, like that stuff, you know, like not, not to the, like completely agree with everything you're saying. I, I felt like reading books like The Jordan Rules and stuff that was way above like my age bracket when I was in fifth and like sixth grade, like I got like this picture. I'm like, oh, he's not always the nicest man on the planet. Like <laughs> he, he's more into like basically – you're either going to play at my level or I'm not going to respect you. And if you can't do that, then see you. Yeah. You're not going to be on the team. Goodbye. But did we hear him swear? Like, Oh yeah. Like if you read the books, like if you read like rebound, like I was just looking behind Well, you're reading it, but I mean like to actually hear him. Oh, all right. Okay. You know what I mean? Like I knew that he wasn't this like fluffy, nice guy. I mean, he had to be like ruthless. I knew that I wasn't like, you know, you totally. didn't hear like the explicit version of be like. I just oh, didn't see yeah. like him like swearing to Harper and being like, "Yo, like what?" Are you? And then his facial expression when he's mad, like you never see that uh, other than being on the court, like talking to the ref or something like that. I feel like the one area, and this is this is totally situational, but like of me being like a young father right now, watching him like his son dribbling and stuff like that, and you know him wizard, don't mess up, don't mess up, because like. That's the mm-hmm. stuff that you don't – he still has to be a father, like, outside. Mm-hmm. He still has to be a son. He still has to be a husband. Like, mm-hmm. there's these other elements that are happening during this time. And, and that 
to watch him try and balance, you know, 5,000 people in Paris surrounding him and his what looks to be nine, 10 year old son at the time. Eight, maybe, I don't know what it, what, what Marcus and Jeffrey were at that time. And there's something kind of beautiful to that, right? Yeah, 100%. So what, I agree with, with what you're saying around um, how the, the quality of this. Like this was, right away you could tell. There was just like the music was, the soundtrack or whatever they used on it was just awesome. Like it was kind of funny because all of the stuff we've seen of Jordan, like documentary style, has been like that cheesy, you know, 90s stuff, right? The only and one you, that I kind of compare this to that wasn't that way was MJ to the max, which was he funded himself as well. And I actually think he used some of this footage because it was about his last season with the Bulls. I don't know if mm, you saw that. But I did. I don't recall it too much, though. It came out like uh, it actually premiered at the Chicago uh, Museum IMAX. of Science at oh. the IMAX. Yeah. Okay. Which was like, I think I saw it in IMAX here in, in, uh, in Ontario here. Yeah, so it was one of the first like fully IMAX films, and like it showed him doing like the the dunk from the free throw line, kind of like that's right, tricks, right? (laughs) And uh, this is that's probably, but that was very like just slightly a step above of like airtime or something like that, right? Yeah, it's like a little bit more for like the true nerded out fan, but it's more for kids like it's, yeah, yeah it's it doesn't have that like storytelling thing of like with the drama and everything and so to hear to, to hear the um you know to put it all together with the drama that's just like so new um and i just found that well i think that con- like we're getting lucky that espn's done so many 30 for 30s by now right yeah for sure but you could just see the contrast between like 2020 documentary style versus like the 90s documentary and we haven't had that for the bulls for so long. And so now it's like, ah, yes, we get like the knowledge of how to tell stories through documentaries, you know, and we're betting fitting it from it for, for the bulls because we didn't have that in the nineties. Can you look back at them? Like a few months ago, I looked at, you know, one of the nineties ones that I have there and I'm just like, Oh gosh, this is pretty bad. (laughs) I love putting them on in the background. I usually, I have to be like, uh, I don't know what it is, but it'll be like, like for the holidays, we, we spend like two or three weeks down in Indiana with our families and stuff. And I'll be fully transparent with you. Sometimes I get a little uh, intoxicated and like all <laughs> and like everybody will be like, oh, dad, or whatever. And I'm like, I'm putting it on come. I'm putting on come fly with me. Like, nice. I'll, I'll just sit there and watch it. And that's about the only way that I can do it. But, uh, like that's awesome speak on like the level of editing and stuff so i don't know if you saw it but like the first eight episodes have completely leaked in there if you oh really have them but they are available for download if you i don't want to watch it i'm gonna wait i want to watch it did you watch it no i did not i want to watch it come out but i know from a friend of a friend Uh, spoiler alert I'm not going to be spoilers alert, but the the story that's being told is that number nine and ten are still being edited right now. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, like the the story is still kind of unfolding, or the final details yeah. of it. But yeah. Well, apparently, I just I saw a clip today with Rodman, yeah. and he was saying that the next episodes three three is is about him. So, so and that makes sense because they did Pippin on number two. Yeah, so I watched the uh, the the Sports Center following it. So it's they're doing two every week, obviously. You know, so it's Rodman and then the 
fourth one, I believe, is uh, I think it's actually more about uh, the season. I thought it was like because I think that it's supposed to be about like the Pistons and Rodman. They're tying like Michael overcoming the Pistons from the early '90s, and then Rodman and everything together. Hmm. And then I thought it goes back to another like Scotty based thing, like him coming back to the team and stuff like that. What did you think of the Scotty stuff um, in in episode two? Uh, I have like a weird scenario with Scotty where I've been able to spend a decent amount of time with him through some of the Nike stuff that I did via media. And like, I felt like everything that they presented him as is what he is. Like that dude's incredibly just down to earth, like guy. Like I talked to, like I was talking to my wife, like after I, I spent a chunk of a day with him and like, did you ever meet like that high school athlete that was just like, yeah, no, I'm just, I'm good at a sport. And like, you know, like, it's just kind of like, yeah, that's just what my life is. You know, you're, you're good at what you do and I'm, I'm good at what I do. Like that was Scotty. Like it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't like, yeah, it's Scotty Pippen. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, like, yeah. And like I was walking down the hallway with him and he still like jumped up and touched a doorway. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, like there is that, like that youthful naivety that was really beautiful at that time and and uh so to watch them do scotty i'll say this i did not realize that at that time he was that underpaid i knew that he wasn't paid highly but 122 like they should be shameful of him you know mike's making 36 million a year at that point and like and he's sitting there telling you that like i can't do this without this person and you're basically going to pay him like three or four million like i get what Scotty was going through in his mind where he was going to guarantee himself X amount of money, but like, come on, man, re up the dude, do something. Like, I felt for him there. Yeah, um, it's a tough one. I mean, I don't know. Like, you hear Reinsdorf say, like, you know, I told him not to do it. Yeah, and then once you do it, I'm not changing it because that's not my style. So I kind of I hear both sides. Like I, I, from a business perspective, I I get it, but I don't know. It's a, it's a it's a weird one. Well, but and and then the fact that he took it to the point where he he got that bitter. Like I don't know what else there is. Like I mean, it's only even though it was yeah. two whole one whole hour on it, we still don't know the whole story and what else led to his bitterness. Like like what's the norm? Like is are you supposed to just go into a contract and just and just change things like I mean, at the end what we like follow from sports now it's more common where people will re-up halfway through it um and then when they don't re-up it's a pretty clear sign that they're leaving after the next year you know follow durant follow lebron follow well durant. but if we're learning anything from this there's different eras and it's different norms right like the norm of having a long-term contract was was there right like jordan was also getting super before he retired, he was getting paid like two million dollars or whatever it was. I think it was well, two yeah, million. So that's, a, that's kind of but he was like, like he was actually more underpaid than him than Pippen. Well, for team, this team is like they're the reason that this amount of money came into the NBA, right? Well, I mean, like sure. watching all that happen, you you saw that like had those two in particular not been on the '92 Dream Team, the globalization of basketball doesn't happen at the level or at the rate and speed that it did i mean and then tie them to nike tie them to everything else and like you're watching their direct hand in what the boom and all these guys yeah yeah <laughs> now when you when you hear pippin say 
oh, I'll get mine with his super deep voice. Oh, I'll get mine. I'll get mine. I, I thought to myself when he had said that, did he get his? He like, did. I know he got he some goes, good he contracts out. Portland, and he got, he got pretty good contracts from it. Um, For sure. But or, overall, uh, did he get it? <laughs> he didn't get it during his boom of his career, right? I mean, as, if you look at it that way. Yeah. No, he definitely didn't then. Uh, but no, I think Pippen to me has always been like a super significant player. Like I, I think that he was one of the most beautiful players on the basketball court. The season that MJ isn't there, he borderline had an MVP quality season. Had Hakeem Olajuwon not been playing in the league or whatever you want to go with, Pippen probably is the MVP in 95. Like, and he's incredible. I mean, he's a, he's a phenomenal athlete and basketball player. And, like, somebody the size of him to be able to do what he's doing. And, you know, it took us to get to, like, Kevin Garnett and then a Durant. Like, those type of players are now common. But at the time, like, Pippen was out of the norm. That wasn't, like, a regular thing. And I, I, I think that business is business but he probably deserved a little bit more than what it was i remember oh, for him. sure for sure i it was an interesting play of his to do that surgery that late i remember <laughs> about that and i remember reading and watching all the trade rumors did you read i can't i think it was espn that put it up on what's today tuesday so espn must have put it up yesterday of like somebody went and found like the jerry Krause stories of who Krause was going to trade him for and uh, Eddie Jones, Kobe Bryant were considered as a package for Scott Pippen, Eddie Jones, and Kobe Bryant. Oh my gosh! <laughs> who he asked for, and uh, Jerry West like shot it down right away. But uh, I just such a funny story, man. Like it would have been so. I think I remember that actually. Yeah. Um, because Kobe's coming out year was his second year, not his first year. So like, yeah, that, like. Well, you, you, but Jerry really, he saw he saw Kobe. Yeah, he, he was like seventeen. Yeah, he knew it. And then um, you've got Tracy McGrady. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he he told um, the jump that uh, that they were asking. I guess he he went to he went to Chicago, right? I mean, yeah. So that's interesting. I mean, it's crazy, right? It's it. I mean, it is a tough thing to do though, because like he had, you know, it's it's not out of the ordinary to think like, okay, well, should I? do something um but yeah you run it out you you run it out like you got to win another you got to win as many championships as you can there's there's no there's no doubt about it but it was phenomenal to see um jordan when he was when he hurt his uh his knee and you know he was just that whole like should we lose so we can get a draft pick and and then how he said that in the media, like that was that was kind of like, oh, you don't you don't really see that much happen. That you know, we don't see players doing that nowadays. Um, not to my recollection, like that was pretty. He was pretty bold against the uh, or the front office, like publicly. I think the difference back then is the level of like teams that represent a player now, right? Like you're never going to get LeBron to say that because he's got Maverick Carter that's going to handle it for him. But mm. like, back then, like Jordan was the only one with the team. It wasn't anybody mm. else, you know? Mm. So, or to the level of what it is now. Like you see it, like Durant, I feel like Durant and Westbrook go pretty blunt like in their stuff. Uh, especially when Durant moved from Oklahoma to Golden State. So, 
I think it just shows Draymond. He was like, you were watching Scotty not be able to separate business and personal emotion is what you were watching there. Exactly. Exactly. How did you think Jordan handled it? I think Jordan is a master of the press and a master of the media. And I think he knows how to turn it on and turn it off like nobody else ever. Outside of maybe Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson's pretty damn good at it too. And with the focus on the end result. Yeah. Like... You didn't hear Marcus coming out and saying that Scotty was being selfish back then. You didn't hear him saying that, even though you know at that time he was feeling it way more than what he was feeling in 2018 when he recorded this statement for it. You know, like mm-hmm. so. I, I think that keep your mind on the on the on the prize and on the prize. Going. Yeah, like it's like, it's inc- it's incredible. Like throughout his whole career, he was just so focused. And when, watching this, just like emphasizes that you you see all the different distractions circle of influence are you familiar with that term what's that are you familiar yeah like where it's like you know you put the circle out there and it's like all right realistically most people can directly influence like three to five things within their control and then it's like that stretches out to like seven to ten things and then like once you get outside of that it's like past your circle of influence and it's like you can tell that he's like well I can't control what Scotty's going to do, but I know that I can get us through these first like 40 games. So it's like, I'm just going to go and do that, you know? Yeah. He was, he was incredibly focused on what he could do. And then just, and that's it. Like when he was, what about when he came into the league and his mindset uh, on the team and how he wanted to be the, the uh, alpha. And he's just like, you know, I wanted to find the leader of the team and just go after him, but not with my words. Because I don't have a voice yet. Yeah, I'm gonna go after him with my play, and I was like, "Oh, it's amazing." It's a lot of like beautiful self self realization there, right? Of like knowing, yeah, at a young age, right? Like 22, I think he was when he when he came to the league, right? So there, it was just like a it's like a master class of excellence. Just. Uh, and and that's what gets me so giddy about this whole thing because I'm just like I get to I get to revisit all of that and, and realize how much of an impact that it had on me and um, and getting into it like a little bit more nitty gritty because of the more human side of things. You get to see like that it was, it's not all easy. It's, it's really hard. You know, you have to face your challenges and um, if it was easy, everybody would do it. Eric. Well, yeah, <laughs> for sure. What are you excited about most in this uh, in the next few episodes, or what are you hoping to see? I think some of the stuff that I hope they touch on is like the amount of that that final year, that last dance, like the amount of people that show up for the games is pretty incredible. There's a shot of him in Sports Illustrated of his last game playing uh, Atlanta in Atlanta. And he's in there in the black uniforms and uh, white, red Jordan 13, and he's at the free throw line. And then it was 63,000 people showed up to that regular season basketball game for what was likely at that time meant to be Michael's last game in Atlanta. Like that, there's some real powerful stuff that happens. That, that type of stuff I, I, makes me feel like the awe inspiring of like what him and this team were capable of um some of the key stories that i'm really really looking forward to is the pacer series 
That Pacers series, I would argue, is probably one of the hardest series that they've ever went through. I mean, it goes seven games. And well, they went to seven games. The only, the only series in six championship runs that went to seven. And I remember that. Like, I was, it was scary as heck. I was like, oh, and my they God. Were young. I mean, and they had the right amount of size. They basically had three big men. You know, you had the Davis brothers, and then you had Rick Smiths, and, like, you're asking Rodman and Longley to split that. And then you had Miller, who is incredible, just absolutely incredible, and lives up for the challenges just as much as Michael does, but he just doesn't have that extra, like, it factor. Um, That I'm excited for. I love watching Utah fans lose. I'm super excited for that because they're the most annoying people on the planet. Next to, to like, New England fans. I'm just excited Uh to watch them just crumble. One of my favorite things is like, you know, there's a million photos of that last shot and like the one where he's probably a foot and a half off the ground and like the ball is getting ready to go through. There's a, if you span the crowd, if you get like the widescreen shot of it mm-hmm. or the wide frame, there's a great shot of like a 13 year old boy with just his hands on his head and his dad just screaming next to it. And it makes me feel so good. <laughs> I see that thing. Um, well, one thing about that, though, about Utah, beyond their fans, that team was incredible. And I was just, I don't want to be regurgitating everything I said on the last podcast about this, um, but we talked a little bit about how the continuity that they had, like the continuity in teams just in general in that era is, you know, we're missing a little bit of that, right? Of course, because of the way things are with free agencies and stuff. But that team was like built to win. Like they, two years in a row, they're beat by the Bulls. And they were at the prime of their career. Like Stockton and Malone, top 50 players. Um, yeah, but I don't know. I So like me and maybe it's being on like the organic, like art side of my life and career, like – there's always those people that like fundamentally look at things and do everything by like a rule book and be like, no, I did steps one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I should have these results as opposed to be like, yeah, you know, there's always going to be that person that comes in and does like steps one, two, and three, and then skips ahead to seven and then like comes back to four and then goes. Yeah, to for sure. You know what I mean? Like, I hear you. They were a beautiful fundamental exercise of probably how basketball textbook should be, should done. be done. Yeah, yeah. But you can't tell me, like, when you looked at them and say that, like, they had that thing that was going to drive them to win. Scottie yeah. Pippen walked up to Carl Malone in game one of the 1997 NBA Finals and told him that mailmen don't deliver on Sundays. he missed a free throw there's no way anything like that is ever going to happen to michael jordan right yeah and i want to correct something that you said the jazz only had the better record one year and that was 1998 just so you know 97 the bulls still had a much well on yeah but on top of that though the bulls are at the end of their you know they're older Jordan's like 35. Um, they, lost Pippen, and they lost in an overtime. And then they nearly went four in a row. 
Had Jordan hit that three at the end of game five, that series is over in Chicago. So I feel I like- guess I'm trying to build up a bit of the competition. Because a lot of you know, <laughs> people are saying out there like, oh, he didn't have any competition. Uh, he did. I'm just trying to, it wasn't, you know, like Utah was a good that. team. It wasn't, basically what I remember like living through that year, it was that this wasn't a, this wasn't a for sure thing, that sixth title. No, it, was it was the not. most least for sure title. Um, well, maybe the first one. They go 0-4 um, on the road to open the season. <laughs> like, I mean, that that's, that's what I mean, right? And so that happened to Michael, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that had more to do with Pippen not playing and stuff. But, but still. But still, right? But the fact that he didn't play for so much time and they, they had to kind of get him back. And then his, um, you know, his, his I remember he had injury problems through the playoffs that year, no? Pippen basically goes out the year before the, the first quarter of the last game. I mean, he throws. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then, that's right. He kind of tries to come in, and then it was very interesting. Jordan just basically carried the team. It was he had a very quiet forty-five points. Like uh, I watch that game a lot. Still, two or three times a year, I'll watch that thing when I'm drawing or something. Nice. Like he he has a very quiet forty-five points, but then all of a sudden, you watch if you go back and watch the games, and you watch how he like cadenced himself. It was like he knew, all right, I put this energy effort in quarters two and three and the fourth quarter's mine. And you watched it happen. Like it was it's really a piece of poetry when you see the whole thing come together. Mm. Oh, and that last sequence is just ridiculous. You what, what was what was it like for you? What, what, do you remember? Well, obviously you do. What were you doing for the for the last shot? I was at my dad's house and yeah, uh, I, yeah I, I I remember it entirely. I'll never forget it. I remember that night you know, that was like everybody still had dial-up internet. And I remember downloading the... Except me. I didn't even have internet. <laughs> um, I was late to the computer game. I remember downloading the sound bite of Costas, as, you know, as you referenced it. But like the last one minute and 35 seconds of that game. And I had it as our Windows shutdown theme. So it would take... <laughs> <laughs> you, like you would have to listen to that entire thing to shut the computer down. And oh everything. my God, your family loved you. <laughs> yeah, so mad the entire time. But That's like, awesome. I was like, no, this is a good thing to go to go to shut. Did down you use my- Marv Alberts? Yes, for something because we used to say that all the time. <laughs> no, I was more of a Costas fan than I was, and I, like Marv Albert was good for the ad libs like you had there, but Costas, man, that dude knew how. Oh. He was, he just set the tone, man. It was just, he was so historical. Like he just put everything in context all the time. Yeah. I mean that, those words, those, yeah, that was amazing. If this is the last sight of this man, it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And to think that he like, to think that he did that in the spur of the moment and then he did it like, yeah, he's a special person, but I was very happy to see they interviewed him for it. But to answer your question, um, I was I was at my dad's house, yeah, and uh, just watching the game live, man, on on NBC. I'm like I'm surprised that doesn't come back into uh, I don't know some sort of meme or something. Like that's got to get back. No, create it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um. Man. Man. No, it's, it's, uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I've never been more excited for something and I'm, 
very and i've got something to look for for the next five weeks and it's uh like i don't know you and i have talked about it a handful of times already not not to say that i'm belittling the situation that's going on across the globe right now because i am not by any means but on another level it has been a tremendous scenario for me where it's like I feel like I'm slightly more in control of my life working from home, being around my kids consistently, having like a set time of us working out or doing family time or cooking and then being able to get stuff done that we don't normally do. So I feel like I've had a relatively positive experience so far. And then I Mm -hmm. spoke this on top of it. (laughs) You're like, this is pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, and I want to state that's not to belittle anybody that's like this, that impacts it because I feel for all of that. But I'm just saying from my own little remote Island that I live in sometimes, like I'm can't feel bad about turning something negative into a positive. Right. Thank you. That's that's where I see it. it. Yeah. Yeah. We're just, you know, it's better to to do that, right? Try to figure out how to make this a positive experience, especially with when you have kids. Like, this is gonna, they're still so young, right? Like, yeah. these are huge times for them and they are gonna look to you and their mom and see like, how or how should I feel about this? So that's that's like the best thing that you can do in my opinion, so. Well, yeah, it's like, uh, I think my, my, my key thing is like, I'll look back. I mean, they're three and six, like those are the years you kind of miss the most or not that you don't miss other years, but those are definitely a couple of the pivotal ones. So I'm, I'm grateful to have this time with them. Uh, yeah, it's fun. But no, so like going back to MJ and stuff like that, like this, Oh man, you have no clue. Like my wife, Stacy came down and was messing with me, like took photos of me and stuff. Cause like, I basically sat like on the edge of our ottoman and just watched the game the entire time by all definitions. I was not in like a comfortable position and relaxing. Like I'm staring at this, like <laughs> as if it was an actual game. Yes. <laughs> I'm staring at this with the most intense, like, and like... <laughs> I, I caught myself in those situations. Yeah. I was like, Oh my gosh, I haven't stopped smiling for like two hours. <laughs> and just like leaning forward and be like oh in awe it was it was just i i was so surprised i, I didn't know i didn't put too much expectations like i i did have the expectation that it was going to be really good but somehow they did it for those two episodes at least where it just exceeded my expectations which is like oh, i'm thrilled i think i think that's what most people felt the whole thing's going to the, the whole thing will you know and what's this going to do for like all i mean we grew up with him all the people in their early 20s even you know mid 20s teenagers like what's it going to do for them do you think i don't care um <laughs> i i i hope it brings some context to like the world that they live in doesn't if they're into the stuff that we've been talking about, the world that they live in does not exist without not just Michael, but this team in this era. Like it truly does not exist. Um, are you, when you say the world, are you referring to, I'm I'm thinking just because I know you, like you're probably referring to basketball and all of culture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. It, it doesn't exist. Like you can just expand it past many different 
different elements, but yeah, the level fashion, of music, storytelling, yeah, all that stuff. Like it's storytelling, marketing. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't exist. It doesn't. And to play this game, like I will say that like I've read like a great like post of like after after Kobe passed of like this mentality of like, hey, I'm kind of done comparing and contrasting athletes. And I'm very, very on tune and in line with that and very grateful for it. But a lot of people talk about like the next Michael Jordan and like it's not possible. It won't ever be possible. You should probably stop chasing that if you are a company who's trying to market footwear or anything like that. Uh, hint, hint at a lot of athletes out there and just embrace the person. You have to be, yeah, exactly. I you, completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. Th- that's like a once in a century kind of thing. I think I, I don't, I wouldn't say it would never ever happen again just because I don't know. I just think that there's always something that the right mix has to happen. Um, like, but you're talking once in a century. It's not like Babe Ruth footwear world again, unless we get rid of all signature shoes for 20 years. Like, well, you know never I mean? know, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm talking like, yeah. I'm talking like a hundred years. Like that's, we won't even be alive. But um, the point is, I think you make a good point there, though. It's like it it, it bleeds into everything else, Uh, not just footwear, but just being yourself, you know, like being you and and being happy with what you can achieve, the most that you can achieve. Like you don't have to compare yourself to like that because it part of it as 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 great as Jordan is as a person, uh, like as a basketball player. Um, and how he handled everything else from a business side of things and persona and all that stuff. There was, like we said earlier in this episode, it's like, there's this other part. There's just the timing and all that stuff. Like you can't, you can't compare anything that one person does to, to what he did because of just everything else that he didn't actually have control over. That just, do you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, oh, absolutely. I think that. Yeah, Kobe might be the only other one that you can compare to um, in the sense that Kobe kind of was the last of his era, got enough to be passed on from Mike, but also grew up well before a Twitter, Instagram, media, all the time era. Yeah. Um, But like, and you know, I'm kind of streaming something together now as we like speak, because Mike kind of talked about that in the documentary where he's like, you know, we didn't have this, we didn't have that. But I would almost argue back in like 96, 97, 98, it was harder to ignore the presence of Michael Jordan, even with as small as mainstream media was back then, compared to like now there's so much media on a LeBron or pick your other player right now, Steph or anything like that, KD, Zion, it doesn't matter who it is that you can almost take them for granted because you're like, well, I can go through any Instagram feed and see five different clips of them from various ESPNs to sports all created to high yeah. or whatever it may be. Whereas like back then it was probably more, beautiful, right? Like there was more context to it and more depth. So now it's almost like you can take and you can take for granted somebody's greatness much easier now because you always That's have true. access to it. Yeah. There's there's something to be said around just keeping some mystery. Yeah, right? simplicity. Like, well, mystery. Did you, hear, did you hear me say that? Mystery? Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you, we've both hinted that Rodman's the next episode, right? Like, 
Rockman's a normal person by any means. He's a tame human being in 2020, right? Like nothing, if he was to do what he was doing in 1996, would you be surprised right now? You know what I mean? But like the mystery around him back then, it was like, this man is the answer. Yeah. Right? What is he doing? You know, why is he in a wedding dress? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. It, it's it's interesting. I heard um, Steve Kerr today talking about, and I think he, it's super sound and reasonable. And I seem to think of it every time people talk about like when they compare the era thing where it's like, oh, um, if Jordan was playing, then he would be, or if he was in this era, he wouldn't be able to do that, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well, yeah, that's great. But that's not what made him great or yeah. anyone who's pretty good at their profession is that they adapt. Like, you, you know, like he's not going to be stupid and then like say things or not say things and like not utilizing what he has. So if there's Twitter and Instagram, he's going to make a decision based on what he should be doing to reach his goals. Right. Like if he, if he, like, I don't know what he would do in this era, but knowing that he was, um, you know, amazing on the business side of things, he would definitely do things on his like he definitely used social media. Well, he just would do it in a way that would make sense for him. Right. But he would have to like, you know. Right. It's like knowing yourself and knowing what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Like you see Kawhi doing it it's a totally different way. Right. And wouldn't that's just his thing. Real. Yeah, exactly. He knows he's not the guy to go out there and do all those things. And, and that's fine. He's going to make his coin in other ways. But I think also if you look back then, like outside of all right so it's 1996 97 98 so probably outside of penny i'm not even gonna put penny in it even though he was a marketing force back then but basically outside of shack and maybe a little bit of barkley at certain times there wasn't really any nba player that like embraced putting their personality out into the world as like a marketing campaign right like Pippen and Penny and a handful of other players definitely had it happen, but Penny tried. Monkey making it happen. That wasn't them. Because you got them in like media conversations and they're kind of like just answering the questions. Um, but my, and my, my point to that is, is that like most of those players still saw their big ticket and their big opportunity to make money from winning the game, right? Not from the outside stuff. From winning the basketball. Right. Like they're like, no, I've got to win a championship and that's how I'm going to get the better contract or the bigger bonus or whatever it may be. Now, like you flip the script, most of these players before they've even played a game are making, if you're an amazing athlete, like, and you're seen as the pinnacle, you're probably at a minimum making, you know, 40 or 50 million off a shoe deal or an apparel deal before any of that. So it's just like, as you mentioned it, it's like, it's not an easy era to do a one-to-one thing for I think if you go to like, like, you know, brass tacks, like Michael Jordan as an athlete still thrives today because of who his personality is and how he wants to achieve. Yeah. Well, I remember him saying over and over, you've got to, if I take care of everything within this, this, on this court, then everything outside of this court will take care of itself. Right. And I think that's where those players that are around that era, you know, continued with that. Um, But then that started to get lost when, um, people started coming out of the out of high school, and everything was being given to them. And like Kobe did come out of high school, but nothing was he wasn't. But he he didn't come in on top. He came in trying to prove himself, and he had a you know that that first year and all that. And 
I think that's like a big part of it is they just we just started they started to seeing the marketability of basketball players. So then the 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 brand started going to them and go, okay, well we better lock them up before the other com- competitor does. And and it had to have an impact on on these young men. Like how can it not? You lose like all those like early 20s years to like grind and be and prove yourself because like you're getting fed (laughs) well and then like just simple financials right i mean like you know go from wherever your family status is to whatever this is going to provide you with it changes things man like and they even talked about it at the beginning of it michael gets drafted into the nba at that time like the nba had a stereotype of like people still doing drugs and people, you know, it wasn't like what basically him and David Stern turned it into. Um, and it wasn't the most uh, beautiful, well-recognized like machine on the planet. And, you know, you're especially in Chicago. Go ahead. Jeez. Yeah. You yeah. hear about the, uh, like the whole, uh, what, what was the team roller skating or something team? No. Well, there was uh, some like super, amateur league that was that got you know higher attendance rates than the bulls <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah i don't remember yeah. which one it was but i think that's like you know it took the right people to come in and be like oh like it took somebody like a mic where it was like take take out like what he becomes but at the time he comes in he's like no this is my job and this is my career and i'm taking it seriously <laughs> like you know like all right you guys want to do cocaine before a game have at it. My parents told me that if I'm hanging out with you, I'm going to get arrested. So <laughs> I'm going to go back to my. And this isn't going to help me win this, these games. Right. Like, I think that's what was the major motivation. Is like this isn't going to. You know, they didn't really like talk about it, but he was one of the only players in the NBA that had the for love of the game clause, which was like. Yeah. Well, they I didn't get to that yet. I'm sure they will. Well, I mean, it came up when he broke his when he broke his ankle or he broke his foot. I mean, that's that's what brought it into the contract. So I was anticipating it to be discussed then and not that it Yeah, that's true. Wait, wait, so was it done on at that time like after that um the knee injury or did it happen um for Space Jam? Because no, remember for Space happened, Jam, the it was it was done in like his his 80, rookie contract. So I think it was like 89-90 season when he put it in because of the experience he had from the Correct. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And then he was able to live that out through 92 when they did the Space Jam. 95, but yeah. Or sorry, yeah, 95, that's right. I'm thinking of the hair. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> um, what did you think about uh, the relationship with his father? Did you get any nuances and insights on that? Because for me, there was some subtle things that, I mean, we we've known most of that, but and like his older brother and how he toughened him up. But there was just like a little, I think the fact that just him hearing him say that, you know, he, he always wanted more attention from his dad. I've never heard him say that. Have you ever heard him say that? No, I think he's kind of like, if you read the, the last like autobiography on him that came out on the life. Yeah. I feel like it was brought up pretty well in there. Um, yeah, I haven't gone through the whole thing, and I, I think um, I think I was touching on some of that. But I think I also think you're looking at a 2020 society narrative compared to like when we were growing up. So like my my wife is a 
she's a therapist. So like, I get all this great context of things a lot. I don't know that she would agree with what I'm about to say. (laughs) Personal opinion is like that generation of parents wasn't, wasn't necessarily like brought up knowing how to be parents. Like you figure it out. And like, if you look at like what his parents went through, you know, stereotypically, He's supposed to come from a split household. He's not supposed to kind of have all these other things. So you have this scenario of two very predominant parents in the culture and the community raising a large family of kids, um, doing it together, both having great jobs, both having fundamentals that they're pushing through their children. That's not an easy thing to do. Then you tie in racism, you tie in economics, you tie in the South, you tie in all these other things it's a blessing that they were able to raise the kids that the way they did, let alone have what becomes Michael Jordan. Right. And I think when you look at that, like a 2020 narrative, yeah, it's easy to make it sound like his dad was hard on him, but like, I don't know, man, his dad had five kids. Like he had to kind of do what he had to do. You know, I, I, everybody wants more attention at some point, not to belittle it, but it's just probably that era that they grew up in parenting. They didn't know as much as we know now, right? Like of how, what you say is going how to. Many ki- how many kids do they have? Is it five? Five, yeah. 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 My comment is more around like um, how, I mean, there's, there's limitations. To, like uh, you don't have five kids. Like how, how are you supposed to, <laughs> how are you supposed to give all the attention? No matter what, you're going to have a kid who's going to be like, oh, you're going to emotionally feel it. It's just the fact that like Jordan took that and then was able to turn it around somehow, you know, and a lot of kids do that, but it, but a lot of, a lot don't. I think right? Rancho Cruz is very clear that he does not like to lose. Like where he's like, oh, you're going to like, like obviously his dad is probably like, oh, you let Larry beat you again. You know, I mean, something as simple as that is like, I will never lose again. <laughs> like, yeah, well, because the fundamental, and as your wife would probably say, is like the fundamental uh, root of it is 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 gaining love, right? So it's right. like that's yeah, the right. that's the first motivation. Well, so I don't want to lose because if I lose, I don't get love from dad. Mm-hmm. I mean, psychologically, that's really what's going on, and it's just it's just interesting to see that and and have. And, and see how like good can be created out of, you know, a, a thing that happens within our emotions that in our society now we are saying it's such a horrible thing. Like don't give your, you know, you, you want to try to avoid every, every kind of hardship. Right. Oh, but it's like, it's, it's like- not like these things are going to happen no matter what you do, no matter what bubble you create, there's going to be something that happens. And it's like, I think the mo- the message that's actually, um, you know, withstands and is is the principle behind it all is that you have to turn the thing into something good. Like like this whole quarantine thing you just mentioned that yeah. this is like one of the, your best times right now. It, you know, we got to be able to take those kind of lessons away from all this, and that's what that's what I was getting from that. Yeah, I think as long as you turn it into a healthy output, right? Like, I mean, yeah. You didn't hear him turning into drugs or alcohol or something, you know? So, yeah. 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 But that competitiveness, it's just like, when dr- I'm really competitive, but he's competitive like all the time. Give <laughs> you something just, to come back to, right? Like it's like yeah. at the end of the day, he's betting on himself every time. And that's probably always the best bet. Like it's within his own control. 
He knows that if he's going to put his energy and effort into something, if he controls it, he has the opportunity to win. It's pretty beautiful. It is. It, it absolutely is. I think that was one of the biggest things that I liked that I loved about him the most when I was a kid is, yeah, his play and all that stuff. But it was the words that he used and to describe things and the way that he looked at stuff. Yeah. And he would like take the time to explain those thought processes to the media. And I thought that was, it was just super motivating for me. Oh, I totally agree with you. Hand, hands down, I agree with everything you're saying. There was a, a level of articulation of how he broke down what he was trying to achieve to other people that very, very few people even pay attention to in their own life, let alone be able to communicate it. Yeah. And to hear that as, um, as a little guy from his hero was just huge. Yeah. Huge. Motivates you, right? Makes you want to uh, prevail. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. So anyway. you gonna watch the next two episodes, Derek, or are you just going to hang it up? What are you thinking here? Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> Captivate you enough to keep going. <laughs> uh yeah i i think so geez it's it's unbelievable how uh how they can i'm I'm just shocked at how they were able to you know match the expectation exceed the expectation so i'm pretty excited about that yeah like i said had they done this with showtime we would all be in a boatload of problems but they did it with (laughs) really really good so we're all it it should come together pretty well and at the at at the end of the day, no matter what, you know he wins his sixth championship. So it's well, yeah, exactly. And you get to watch Utah just fall apart. So it's going to be wonderful. <laughs> hey, man, it's been awesome to have you on this podcast. And yeah. um, maybe Thank we could do it again. Me. Yeah, for sure. Um, is there anything you want to close off with? Any closing remarks? No, I, I hope my happiness of being able to take this in translates into somebody else's happiness. I hope that I hope I, what I enjoyed most about our conversation tonight is it just wasn't the stereotypical. It was like the real elements that add to the whole experience. And uh, I think that that's much more from, from my level of life. I think that's much more beautiful than being able to say, you know, he averaged 31.2 points for that year, right? Like that's, that's simple. So I hope that people that are watching this and taking it in, it's, it's more than just nostalgia. It's more than just excitement of watching an era that you miss or whatever it may be. And that it's more like a context of a blueprint of hopefully looking internally and what you can do to achieve. Well said, man. That's exactly, I can't, I mean, this whole journey that I've been on with Womodoro, it's, I mean, it's pretty cool to see everything happening right now with this because it's, it's a, it's just like a pure circling back. Like for me, I'm just like, okay, well now obviously the situation we're all in, it's just kind of setting a reset for a lot of us. And Mm-hmm. Um, of course myself too. And with the business, I'm like, okay, well, where, where am I going to go? Where, where am I, how am I pivoting? And it's like, it's a full circle with this. Like this business is all about that time for me, nine years old, 10 years old, up to 16 years old. 
and watching Jordan. And like, that's why it's so satisfying to, because I birthed this, this shoe and this brand based on that feeling that I was given. And then now I get to revisit the whole thing <laughs> as I get ready to take the next step with the business. So it's, it's really cool. And um, it's making me feel like, I don't know, it's, it's like a, I thought I was one of the only ones like this. <laughs> oh no, there's about 10 million of us. Yeah, I know, right? And I just think maybe not as many people talk about it as far as like what it really did for us, like mm. deep down. Not many people know? put it into action, right? Maybe that's what it is, you know? And I'm just honored to be able to like, to do that and and to be able to source it, like to be able to identify where the source came from. I mean, for the, for the most part. And uh, yeah, man, to be able to share that with you and, and all the people that are listening is just, uh, it's pretty damn sweet. And I hope I, I want to second all those things you said around like people going inward and going, okay, yeah, it's great to watch this. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, what, what is it going to do for you too? Like, how's it going to help you uh, not to take away the entertainment from it because it's, a lot of fun. Um, but there's so much wisdom that it's just like oozing out of these episodes. And I just hope that everyone watching is going to be able to take something from it that can help them change their lives to the better or just more fully enjoy it. And, or it's going after those things that they wanted to go after or whatever it is, being the best friend, husband, father that you can be. So yeah um, totally with you yeah dude so thanks so much um we'll uh, stay in touch and uh is there any um way that people can get a hold of you nope okay that's awesome <laughs> i just want to give that cause... instagram at golf but outside of that you perfect that's out there if you want no, i'm good that's right so what was it instagram at golf just my last name G-O-L-L-I-F-F. Thanks, Brett. I appreciate it. And we'll sign off. All right. Take care. Yep. Later.